السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگس آف اللہ بی اپن یو او ویلکم ٹو اندر ایڈیشن آف دی بریکفسٹ شو ہے آن دا وائس آف اسلام ریڈیو ٹوڈے از ونزڈے دی ٹویلتھ آف جولائی ٹوینٹی ٹوینٹی تھری اینڈ ٹوڈے وی ہیو سم سم انٹرسٹنگ ٹاپکس Firstly, we are going to be going over the news. And then after that, we will be talking about, you know, the main the main topics that we're going to be speaking about. This is the voice of Islam. And to understand what uh, Islam actually means, we are actually talking about um, one of the sort of fundamental teachings of Islam. And that is to fulfill the rights of mankind. Now, so we see... in the world today that people who have uh, prominent who are people who are prominent figures people who are maybe a lot in the in the limelight a lot of people look at them people a lot of people look up to them celebrities or various other people even people in power they sometimes do things positive things um and they sort of have a a, a good effect on uh on the the destitute people the people who are living in poverty the more the, the, the people who are sort of impoverished and that sort of t- part of society sometimes these celebrities these um these well-known people um people of influence um they they do these things and uh you know small acts of charity and that can actually be um very beneficial as well for for f- you know for those people who are who they are helping but also that it can have that r- ripple effect as well because if they have influence if a lot of people look up to these celebrities um and they see them doing a good act something good a good deed they would also want to emulate that as well and that is where that is where you know th- this ripple effect will be in a positive way the domino effect will will have a positive effect because the their their followers their people their the people who look up to those people they will also do that thing as well and that is something that we're going to be talking about in the first um sort of the the first segment and why is that related to islam because because it is fulfilling the rights of mankind now it could be anything it could be anything it could be um donating to charities it could be them uh you know b- building schools providing shelter providing food providing water all of these different things are very positive things anything that we do to which actually benefits others which benefits mankind is in a way you know a a, a very a very good thing a very positive thing that all of us should be thinking about as well but more of that more of that a little bit later on as well because we have to talk a little bit about the news first as well this is the first topic but um before that we're going to be covering the news um after that towards the latter part of the show around around about 8 8:15ish quarter past 8 we're going to be talking about um the NHS and love it or hate it the nhs is here to stay yes there are talks of uh, the nhs going private yes there are talks of uh, selling it off to the highest bidder yeah like other national like other national things such as um the royal the the royal mail 
the 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 the, the train industry, um, the you know, all of these various different things. Even the Thames water, Thames water has in Thatcher's time it was sold to uh, it was sold um, to private companies, and some and people would argue that when a public sector does actually go private, then it's not it doesn't have the same value. And what I mean by the same value is that it doesn't always give what it used to. I mean, if you just look at the NHS, look at the NHS, what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and look at it, look at it now. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit, it's not what it was before. Yes, the Prime Minister is saying that he's going to cut, um, going to cut these lines, uh, waiting queues, and there's going to be help available more readily. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll see what happens there as, uh, then as well. Because obviously, if the Prime Minister has promised something, um, obviously he must have a plan to deliver that as well. Um, but that's what we're going to be talking about towards the latter part of the show, about the NHS. It's here to stay. And uh, hopefully we will be speaking to a few guests uh, as well. Um Right now, we're going to be talking about what's happening in the news. But before that, we'll be taking a very short break. And right after that, we'll get, we'll get into the news. The number to call in, as always, is 0208-687-7878. Uh, do give us a call and, uh, t- and and tell us what you think about these uh, these topics as well. A new station, The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the voice of Islam. A revolutionary change was brought in the Arabian Peninsula by the Prophet of Islam, peace be upon him. He established a fair society, respect for women, and created brotherhood amongst the various tribes in his very lifetime. He promoted education in numerous ways, changing the entire landscape of Arabian society. People who were previously looked down upon soon became leaders in all aspects of human life. The Holy Quran commanded Muslims to spread throughout the world and experience the vastness of God's creation. Within a few hundred years, a relatively short span of time, Muslims became the educators of the world. They became pioneers in medicine, physics, history, geology, and civil and military administration. During the centuries of European history, defined as medieval, the most advanced civilization in the world was undoubtedly Islam. In a time spanning close to a thousand years, an era known as Islam's golden age, the holy founder of Islam, peace be upon him, placed great emphasis on learning. His specific instruction was to seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. It is the quest for knowledge which opens the doors of progress, where Muslim minds seek not only to prove their own genius, but to implement it for the service of their creator. Islam's rapid spread during the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and under the leadership of the rightly guided Khulafa, precipitated what is commonly referred to as the Golden Age of Islam, a period which ushered in immense contributions to philosophy, science, engineering and governance. The development of modern medicine, astronomy and mathematics, the refinement of algebra and trigonometry, and the use of optics in a physical manner are all legacies from the Islamic era.
Muslim scientists brought both knowledge and application into inventions which are still pertinent to modern life today. Small tools ranging from scissors all the way up to complex water-powered pumping machines and standardised weighing scales were all invented by Muslim scientists. Indeed, their legacy lives on, but it's not just through the machines themselves, but also the words, many of which are derived from Arabic origin. Words include algebra, algorithm, alchemy and camera are all derived from root Arabic origin. In the 8th century, Khalid the goat herder noticed his excitable animals had eaten red berries, which led to coffee production and the early Arabic drink al-Qahwa. This surfaced in Europe at the first Venice coffee house in 1645, making it the world's favourite hot beverage today. In the 8th century, Jabir ibn Khayyan devised and perfected the distillation process using the alembic still, which is still used today. Muslims were producing rose water, essential oils and pure alcohol for medical use. Today, distillation has given us products ranging from plastics all the way to petrol. Early 13th century, Al-Jazari was the first person to use a crank which transmits rotary motion into linear motion. His machines were able to raise huge amounts of water without anyone lifting a finger. Muslims also pioneered use of alternative energy through windmills and the construction of dams and water reservoirs. The invincible designs of 12th century castles of Syria and Jerusalem were imitated in Western lands with key features like round towers, arrow slits, barbicans and battlements. Muslim architecture techniques of the 8th and 10th century, such as rib vaulting, the pointed and horseshoe arch, were the main inspiration on which Gothic architecture was based. These techniques enabled European architects to overcome problems in Romanesque vaulting and are prevalent in surviving Gothic architecture all across Europe today. More than a thousand years ago, in a darkened room known as Gamara in Arabic, Ibn al-Khaytham observed light coming through a small hole in the window shutters, producing an upside-down image on the opposite wall. This early pinhole camera has led to the camera we know today. In the 13th century, Ibn al-Khaldum traced the rise and fall of human societies in the science of civilization, recording it all in his famous book, Al-Muqadimah, or Introduction to a History of the World, which forms the very basis of sociology and economic theory today. The Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, He who issues forth in search of knowledge is busy in the cause of Allah till he returns from his quest. In this hadith, travellers emphasised in relation to the seeking of knowledge, and the emphasis on movement intertwined with knowledge refers to the pilgrimage to Mecca. This emphasis on movement alongside knowledge seeking became a dominant cultural aspect of medieval Islam. Perhaps one of the most famous explorers of all time, Ibn Battuta travelled over 75,000 miles in 29 years time through over 40 modern countries, compiling one of the best eyewitness accounts of the customs and practices of the medieval world. Muslims were also the first people to commonly hold the idea of a round earth. In the 11th century, Al-Idrisi was commissioned by the Norman king of Sicily to make a map. He produced an atlas of 70 maps called the Book of Roger, showing the earth was round. Al-Idrisi also made a globe out of silver to further stress the point. Maths, known as the language of nature, has been an integral part of Islamic science. 
as well as developing existing Greek concepts like trigonometry and giving us the numerals we use today. In the 8th century, Al-Khwarizmi introduced the beginnings of algebra and it was developed into a form we still use today by many Muslims who followed him. Second World War problem solvers were carrying on the code-breaking tradition first written about by polymath Al-Gindi from Baghdad when he described frequency analysis and laid the foundation of cryptology. Cutting-edge surgeon Al-Zahrawi introduced over 200 surgical tools that revolutionised medical science more than 1,000 years ago. These tools look identical to modern-day 21st century tools used in various types of surgery. It was the gravitational pull of Khilafat that precipitated the rapid progress of Islam during its golden era. Once Khilafat on the precept of prophethood ended, the dominance of Islam soon began to fade. Today, the renaissance of Islam continues in the form of Khilafat in Ahmadiyyat, instituted after the demise of the promised Messiah, alayhi salam. As with the holy founder of the community, the Khulafa over the past 100 years have written numerous books embodying a massive amount of religious information. Under the divinely inspired leadership of Khilafat, therefore, the gravitational pull of unity is restored and the golden era of Islam is once more within sight. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. Um, as mentioned before, we're going to be talking about our uh, our topics. But before that, um, just a few uh, news uh, news headlines or news topics that we're going to be um, looking uh, looking into as well. Um, it's uh, it is it is quite interesting when we you know when we see what's happening around the world. Um, you know, on 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 one side, we see. You know the the war, you know the war still still happening in Ukraine. We see uh, different or similar types of atrocities happening in uh, in the Middle East. Still, um, mm. we we still see these different problems. Um, sometimes we see that uh, even internally, if we look at here in the UK, um, there are problems here as well. And uh, something which came about uh, in the news was uh, about the NHS and um, I mean we're going to be talking about the NHS during the course of the show as well um, that it's uh, it's here to say but uh, the Prime Minister unveils um, plans to recruit 300,000 more NHS staff um, for you know for for England um, and uh, I mean that is quite interesting where the gov- government actually published its plan for for a massive shake-up in in how the NHS recruits and uh, retains staff, promising thousands more workers from whom will train on the job. Um, he you know he he said that this that's what that's what having a modern workforce is about. Adding he said that it's about adapting to how people's health needs to be treated. And if you talk to some of the people that I was talking to earlier. They're going. They're doing all of those, all of those roles. Um, we should be modernizing the NHS um, so it's fit for the future. I mean, I mean, it is good. It is a good promise to get three hundred thousand more workers, uh, NHS staff um, in in England. We need more doctors. We need mm. more nurses. Um, even you know the people that go out there and uh, and 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 clean. 
um, the floors, the the, the equipment, all of the other things, all of that is uh, is very much important. Um, but uh, obviously, if we're getting three hundred more thousand, three hundred thousand more more you know staff here in here in England, we need to you know think about the you know the the, the budget as well. We can't just keep on uh, cutting their cutting their budgets also on the same time because then there will be you know, with one hand you're doing something, but then with, on the other hand, you're doing something co- completely opposite. So it's important to, you know, give it uh, its uh, its due right as well and pay its uh, due diligence. Um, on the same sort of uh, topic of uh, of health, there's um, smart watches um, that could help identify Parkinson's disease to up to seven years before key symptoms actually appear. And, uh, and a clinical diagnosis can actually be made. This is what a study has actually found. So this is quite promising. The data collected by the devices that measured how f- that measured how fast people moved uh, over a seven-day period was analysing by researchers, and they actually found that they could use artificial intelligence to accurately predict who could go on to later develop Parkinson's. And uh, now, according to experts. This could be used as a new as a new screening tool for Parkinson's disease, so enabling the disorder to be detected at a much earlier stage than current methods allow as well. So, so you know, we talked about we talk about artificial intelligence as mm. well, and people. So when we say this, people, or when anyone mentions artificial intelligence, people sort of uh, sometimes get worried that oh no, this is something which is quite dangerous, but. The, the thing is, is that it can be used for good things as well, such as over here. Hmm. If we can sort of um, uh, detect uh, Parkinson's disease, maybe other diseases in the future as well. Yeah. Maybe what much before than the current methods which are used at you know right now. I think that's a positive thing. And uh, if we can adapt these, you know, these these smart watches hmm. or wristbands or, or or whatever, you know, different things, then we can. Um, sort of prevent other diseases or anyone yeah. can go to the doctor get a diagnosis and uh, treat that and uh, I mean treating something earlier on hmm. is uh, is much more easy to treat as well yeah and it, you know it's better as well because if you do if you treat it after a, after a long period it might become too a little bit too little too late isn't it hmm. so that's uh, you know I think that's a positive thing which definitely, has which has definitely. which has come the thing is, um, anything, if you have <coughs> an yeah. excess of anything good, it can lead to something bad, right? You can take, like, alcohol, for example. It, it is used in medicine. A lot of medicines it's used in. Hmm. Um, or, you know, it's used in, like, um, those uh, bandages and those sprays, like when you have injuries and stuff. But uh, consumption of alcohol... Um, or especially heavily heavy drinking it can uh, be very it can be fatal even or you know it can cause many different diseases in the body and uh, there's many many different side effects like you can you know you can lose your sense you can lose all your senses and you can just uh, be you know walking around not even walking around you can be just stumbling around like a proper uh, someone who's lost who's lost their senses uh, there was a yeah. recent interview with um, a famous celebrity. Um, yeah. uh, I think a lot of listeners might be aware of him, Tom Holland. Yeah. He's a British uh, celebrity who plays a Spider-Man. Hmm. 
and he said that um, he said basically about alcohol about, about yeah. alcohol consumption. He said that he that was, was enslaving yeah, him. Yeah, it was. Like it was. Uh, yeah. He said he was uh, around Christmas time. He was drinking so heavily, uh, and then he thought that he would, you know, for January he would take a break. And when he took a break, he said, "I could literally like I was suffering. I could mm. not think about anything but taking a drink." Mm. Right? Then he thought maybe like maybe you know I have a problem, drinking problem. Mm. Then he said, "I'll do February as well." Then he said, "I was still feeling this," and then he said, "I'll do it till my birthday." And then he's like, "It's been like almost two years. He hasn't had a drink, and he had he struggled so much in the beginning mm. um, because like he thought it, it, it like it made his social life harder. He couldn't just like you know go places and not have a drink, right? Mm. Everyone's drinking, and you know it's, it just made. But then he said once he got in terms with it, once he you know properly let go. He said he's never felt healthier, hmm. never felt happier, yeah. and this is like the, the the best he's ever felt in his life since he's quit. Yeah, I mean that that's as good to show, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. That too much of 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 anything can be bad, but even I mean, if it's, if we're just talking about alcohol as well, hmm. um, sort of you know drinking alcohol, yeah. that even a little bit hmm. is not is not good for you because you know one one drink will lead to another. Yeah. Even in the Holy Quran, where it mentions about the prohibition of alcohol, it mentions there are benefits to it, but yeah. the you know the, the disadvantages outweigh those benefits. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's exactly. that's the main reason. And same with you could take social media for for example, like yeah. if uh, you know it can be used for many different ways, such as uh, you know propagation of Islam, or you know promoting something good. Hmm. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of negativity out there. There's a lot of people, you know, hating on uh, other groups, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, controversies out there yeah. where people do take part in. So it's it's up to you. Uh, you have to take everything. It's news as well. News as well. You have to take everything, uh, like, um, you know, with the with a pinch of salt, and then you have to find what the real truth is. And just not indulge in these things like endlessly, and just mm. uh, get stuck in a stuck in a whirlpool that will drag you down. Exactly, exactly. Um, you may be in other news. You may be aware mm. that uh, you know BBC presenters. They some of them have actually been accused of uh, of different things, and that actually when it came about, when it came in the news a couple of days ago, it uh, it, it it did. Shake, uh, or you could have shaken your your thoughts about BBC about the presenters as well. So the BBC present uh, the BBC is under increased pressure after new claims uh, which have emerged about an unnamed presenter who has been face facing allegations over over payments for sexually explicit photos, and that's mm. you know that's what came about in the news yeah. now on the Sun's front page on uh, uh, you know uh, on Wednesday the the newspaper reported a 23 year old person has claimed the BBC presenter broke lockdown rules to meet them during the pandemic in February 2021 and remember this was when you know this was when uh, when when there was COVID and it was really sort of you know when mm. there were lockdown rules as well so they broke those lockdown rules um Set, uh, you know, now, BBC News reported on Tuesday that, that a person in their early 20s has alleged that they were sent threatening messages by the unnamed man. Mm. Uh, they appear to be s- separate to a young person who the son claims was paid around £35,000 
over three years from the age of 17 for sexually explicit images by the presenter who has been uh, suspended by the BBC as well. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the you know that's the thing he said he said that BBC is dealing with a with a complex and difficult situation after the serious allegations um, and the you know the, they're talking about how they broke the lockdown rules they they they, they paid so much money um, they told the son that the BBC was briefing the nation on the rules when this star um, who was part of the institution was quite happy to break them hmm. and we we see that. We we saw a couple of a uh, couple of uh, weeks ago as well. We saw a a video of uh, of uh, some Tories some mm. Tories mm. who actually broke uh, lockdown rules as well uh, when uh, you know around Christmas time. Yeah, and you know they were they were dancing, they were drinking, and all of that, and uh, basically breaking breaking the rules when everyone else was uh, was in lockdown. Everyone else was at home. Even you know the government said that you can't even meet your your parents or your grandparents mm. as well. Uh, in those days because there was lockdown and anyone who did anyone who went to someone else's house and was caught hmm. they were fined a hefty fine and uh, you know that's that's what they you know that's what happened but on the other side the people who were making these rules they were out partying together hmm. and they were breaking the rules even we've seen um, we've seen the former prime minister as well yeah. uh, Boris Johnson you know the, you know, claims of him, videos as well of him breaking lockdown rules. Also, and hmm. um, sometimes we we think that you know the people who are in power, they they're free from the rules, but hmm. that should not be the case, and that should that is not the case, and it shouldn't be the case. Yeah, um, because if if they're not going to follow the rules, how can you expect the wider public hmm. to follow the rules? Um, you know, with scrutiny. Yeah, and how how can you how can you if they break those rules how can you be um, such that you know you you give them a hefty fine and uh, you know the people who are in power hmm. um, they're members of their party breaking the rules and nothing happening to them yeah it doesn't make sense and here you know BBC presenters as well BBC is supposed to be you know one of the main it's supposed to be, you know, one of the shining lights of, uh, you know, of the, of the UK, right? Mm. For presenters who are in the BBC to actually, you know, to, to do these sort of atrocities, it's uh, mm. it is shocking. It is shocking, and this is not the first one as well. And I'm yeah. sure, and I'm sure this won't be the last one also. Mm. But the thing that's what the thing is, when you know, when we, you know, when we deviate from our from our original jobs, for our what we actually pay to do, what we're meant to do, mm. and we start doing other things, illegal things, or even things which are against the rules, against even rules of conduct. Mm. Um, that is, you know, that is what happens. Yes, this person has been suspended. This presenter has been suspended. Yeah. But then, um, you know, why is it that you know the, this person is cu- is coming out now? How comes they didn't come about? A little bit before as well, when mm. when all of this was happening, um, you know, you know, these people, because they've got a lot of money, they can give that person or the victim or whatever mm. a lot, a lot, a lot in hush money as well. Yeah, and we've seen that happening, um, you know, around the world with mm. different things as well. Governments giving, mm. uh, you know, hush money to you know to to people mm. so that they can, you know, 
pull out their agendas yeah. or their hidden agendas, I should say. Um, so that has been uh, quite shocking hmm. uh, in in the news quite recently as well. In other news, uh, uh, I'm not sure if our listeners are aware of the Virgin Galactic flight to space. Mm. By you know the founder, one of the founders, Richard Branson. Right. Uh, they've started uh, you know this like space space travel for for you know normal people for tourism. Mm. So they they'll take you I think to an altitude of around like forty five thousand kilometers or something or miles. I'm in not sure. in, the, in in the altitude, yeah, in, in the space. So it's mm. like the you're like on the the atmosphere verge. Yeah, yeah, you're basically in the a- a- atmosphere on the top. And then you like circle around, I guess, and they've completed one successful flight already. Mm. And um, you know you can you can buy even you can buy a ticket for a mere four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Wow, four hundred fifty thousand dollars, yeah. But uh, <laughs> just shy of half a million uh, quid. Yeah, yeah. If you I mean if you got that if much, if you got that much, so you know. But you know this is giving me the um, <laughs> some marine yeah, vibes yeah, some marine vibes <laughs> yeah, well. but they've completed uh, their first successful flight and this is like a big company but the thing is is right? that even if even if even if we talk about the submarine right yeah even they they there has been people who have visited, yeah who have gone down in that submersible before yeah yeah and not just once or twice hmm. quite a few times yeah so that's the thing you don't know when no, it's but that was go wrong. built in the back of a shed of just a, a enthusiast right right this is a proper legitimate company virgin hmm. Virgin Media, they've got their gyms, they've got broadband, they've got like it's a phone company, they've got they've got many yeah, other different yeah. things as well, other ventures. Hmm. So this it's Airplay, a multi billion dollar as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have their airways as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they so they know what they're doing. They, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, and hopefully, you know, one day maybe if the ticket is around four four thousand, then maybe we can go as well. <laughs> 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 maybe in the near future, you know. Maybe yeah, maybe in the near future. Yeah. Um, but the, but but you know that's the that's the thing. You never you can never know with these things. Mm. You can never know with these things. You might you may even have to sign off. Mm. That you know if 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 it goes south, then no, I'm then sure you have, to, you have to be ready. You have to be ready for that. Yeah, they probably do like um, have a waiver right that they have mm. to sign off. But they they go in like astronaut suits and they probably get astronaut training as well. Yeah. And say if you something does happen over there. Like there's a hull breach or something, they can just like float for a bit, and then someone can go pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like but that, like, but yeah, hopefully nothing happens, and uh, you know, hmm. hopefully one day it's more accessible to the general public instead of you know just the multi-millionaires and the billionaires. So, yeah, I mean, right now, yeah. I mean, that's what that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? Tourism has become such a widespread. Hmm. Um, Avenue now that yeah. it's uh, you know people people are doing things which people can't wouldn't even imagine as well. Mm. I mean, if you're rich and you've got a lot of money, you and you want to see other places, you want to you know become a tourist. Yeah, you, you go around wherever you want to go. Go to pick any country, mm. and you you just go there, right? But now it's like, oh, let's go visit the Titanic. Mm. Let's go up into space. Let's go. What the moon looks like. There's this and that, hmm. and uh, you know, it's that's uh, that's what that's what the world has come to. But let's yeah. see. You know, like you're saying, uh, let's see what the near future actually holds uh, for us as well. And it is quite interesting. Um, imagine seeing space. Hmm. Um, we've seen pictures. We've seen videos. But to see to see it with your to own eyes, in, that's, in person, that's, that's a bit different as well. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say. 
um, about talk about the moon landing as well, isn't mm. it? But you know. But like apparently, uh, India they sent up uh, a satellite or something like an image satellite, mm. um, which man which got so close, which got very close to the moon, and it managed to capture a picture where you can see the footprints. You can see the footprints and the like the flag. You can see the flag. Yeah, and the footprints as well mm. of the astronauts on the moon surface. Mm. But even then, that's just like... But even then... It's just news, right? Yeah. Maybe, it, you never know, isn't yeah. it? Even the, you know... No, but... They, I mean, we're not know, saying, we're not people, saying yeah. it's fake. We're, we're there's not still people in the space station, but even that is like, you know, we haven't seen it with our own eyes, but only on, on the internet. And, yeah, but... Um, yeah, I mean, there are some things which are, you know, which are which are quite believable. Yeah. There are some things which are, you know, it, it sort of puts you into doubt as well. No, but the International Space Station, that's in orbit off the Earth. So it's it's, it's in space. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it is in the atmosphere, isn't yeah. it? The, 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 the Earth's atmosphere. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you're saying. Like you're and, saying. That, and that person, you remember he went up in uh, like a balloon and then he jumped down, the Red Bull stunt. From space, yeah. yeah, in an astronaut mm. suit, and then he survived as well. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it, that that that's what tourism has become now, isn't it? Mm. It's uh, there's a lot of different thrills, space a lot of different space exploration as well. A lot of people are, uh, you know, what they want to they want to pursue this as mm. well. So, you know, let's see, let's see what the let's see what the near future actually holds um, for us. Mm. Um, there was uh, something else which came in the news as well, which was actually quite alarming. Yeah. Um, but just to just to tell you know, just to tell our listeners as well that postal workers, right? So this is the Royal Mail people, mm. the postman, literally the postman. Yeah. Um, they have actually faced almost two thousand mm. dog attacks mm. last year, and this is what a, a new report has actually found. As the Royal, the Royal Mail said on uh, last week, Monday, that a total of uh, just under 2,000, so that's 1,916 dog attacks were recorded during the year mm. to March um, 31, which was uh, 2023. Now, the figures show a 14% rise um, uh, from 1, just over 1,600 cases of dog attacks, mm. um, which was reported by the by Royal Mail staff. Yeah. Um, so some... Some posties or post officers or um, postmans actually suffered serious injuries, including one woman who was actually re- who actually revealed she needed surgery mm. after she was uh, attacked by a dog as well. And that's quite sad, isn't it? Yeah. For 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 the postman, for the local postman to actually be attacked by dogs. Why can't people who own dogs? Mm. Uh, obviously, not everyone does this, but control or tame their dogs yeah isn't it um you know well when these sort of things are there hmm. and uh you know nothing has been done about them then obviously you know some postmans and posties they're going to say you know we we don't want to continue anymore of course or we're injured give us compensation hmm. or the, you know this on that and then hmm. they're going to say no we you know we've been barked at we've been attacked yeah. by these different dogs on different occasions we don't want to work anymore. And obviously, if nothing has been done about that, hmm. then uh, they're going to leave their jobs. And obviously, then they, then there's going to be delays 
in uh, in your parcels, mm. in your in your letters, in your bills, or whatever you wanna, whatever you receive by the post. Guess how much like the rough salary of uh, the CEO of Royal Mail is. Because you know it's been privatized much? as well. It's been privatized. Yeah. 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 How like much? Four four hundred fifty thousand a year. Four hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, roughly. Mm. Yeah. And like he he. he Last year, like there was some uh, interview of him in like some some parliament type uh, thing, uh, and he was being scrutinized of like uh, mm. why he's getting that much pay. And he was like, yeah. last year he paid himself like an eighty thousand pound bonus, and like <laughs> paid another like fifty thousand pound bonus. Yeah. And, like what are these bonuses for? He's like, I don't um, give those bonuses out. Those are given by an independent committee. And then the 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 person, the chair who was speaking to me, we just kept on saying, but the independent committee hmm. is under essentially under Romeo, and which is essentially under you. Hmm. Technically, you are giving it. Yeah. And then yeah, but that's just that's just how the world. That, works. That's, that's that's how that's, that's how capitalism for you, right? It's capitalism. It's a capitalist world, isn't it? Yeah. That's how it is. The rich are getting richer. Hmm. The poorer poor are, are poorer. suffering. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. getting poorer as well, and uh, you know they're suffering. Um, so that's uh, that's uh, what's happening around the news. Hmm. Um, right after a short break, we're going to be we're going to come back and talk about how people who are you know people who are have 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 a lot of influence. Uh, they could be celebrities, people of influence, people who have a big uh, a, a, you know large following, yeah. doing different acts of charity. You know, uh, such as you know just donating to charity, giving food hmm. uh, to the homeless providing shelter all of these good things they do and that has a good effect on uh, on the wider on the wider public yeah. as well we're going to be talking a little bit more about that after a quick uh, a quick break 0208687 is the number for you to call we'll be back after a bit a new station the voice of islam with live discussions religion and culture understand the true teachings of islam with the voice of Islam. The conditions of initiation, bed, in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. The initiate shall solemnly promise, one, that he or she shall abstain from shirk, association of any partner with God, right up to the day of his or her death. Two, that he or she shall keep away from falsehood, fornication, adultery, trespasses of the eye, debauchery, dissipation, cruelty, dishonesty, mischief and rebellion, and will not permit himself or herself to be carried away by passions, however strong they might be. Three, that he or she shall regularly offer the five daily prayers in accordance with the commandments of God and the Holy Prophet and shall try his or her best to be regular in offering the Tahajjud and invoking the Rood on the Holy Prophet that he or she shall make it his or her daily routine to ask forgiveness for their sins, to remember the bounties of God and to praise and glorify Him. 4. That under the impulse of any passions, he or she shall cause no harm whatsoever to the creatures of Allah in general and Muslims in particular, neither by his or her tongue, nor by his or her hands 
nor by any other means. 5. That he or she shall remain faithful to God in all circumstances of life, in sorrow and happiness, adversity and prosperity, in felicity and trial, and shall in all conditions remain resigned to the decree of Allah and keep himself or herself ready to face all kinds of indignities and sufferings in his way and shall never turn away from it at the onslaught of any misfortune. On the contrary, he or she shall march forward. 6. That he or she shall refrain from following un-Islamic customs and lustful inclinations and shall completely submit himself or herself to the authority of the Holy Quran and shall make the word of God and the sayings of the Holy Prophet the guiding principle in every walk of his or her life. 7. That he or she shall entirely give up pride and vanity and shall pass all his or her life in humbleness, cheerfulness, forbearance and meekness. 8. That he or she shall hold faith, the honor of faith, and the cause of Islam dearer to him or her than his or her life, wealth, honor, children, and all other dear ones. 9. That he or she shall keep himself or herself occupied in the service of God's creatures for his sake only, and shall endeavor to benefit mankind to the best of his or her God-given abilities and powers. 10. That he or she shall enter into a bond of brotherhood with this humble servant of God, pledging obedience to me in everything good for the sake of Allah, and remain faithful to it till the day of his or her death. That he or she shall exert such a high devotion in the observance of this bond as is not to be found in any other worldly relationship and connections demanding devoted dutifulness. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. And uh, on this part of the show, as mentioned, we're talking about how different uh, people who are in influence, who are influencers, hmm. or people who have a lot of influence. And a lot of, uh, you know, a, a large following. Um, celebrities as well, doing different acts of charity to, to you know, for the benefit of mankind as well. Um, and that's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing, uh, like I mentioned before as well, because if, if these people who have a large following hmm. do different acts of charity, um, and they could be, you know, they, they, it could be anything. It could be giving, giving them, providing them food. It could be giving them clean water. Yeah. It could be giving them shelter, you know, people who are homeless as mm. well. You know, even buying clothes for them as well. So mm. different acts of charity these people do. And then their followers actually look at them and they get influenced by them as well. They yeah. say, you know, these people are doing these things. Let us do these things as well. Mm. Let's, you know, give to charity and all of these things as well. 
so it's a, it is a good thing but one thing that should actually be understood is that it you know it shouldn't it shouldn't just be a one off thing it yeah. shouldn't ju- it shouldn't just be that oh let's give you know let's let's give a thousand pounds or whatever amount mm. to to charity and then that's it you just do it for the you just do it for the you know for the tabloids mm. for the newspapers and you just do it for the social media yeah. and you post it uh and you make other people post it as well online mm. and that's it yeah because there are i've seen a video mm. of some people um you know uh, two women actually on the yeah. beach right yeah and uh they're picking up litter mm. one person is picking up litter mm. and then the other person is actually filming her right mm. and then they they pick up they pick up uh, a lot of rubbish on the beach yeah and uh, uh when they've collected a lot of the the rubbish mm. and then they posted it online <coughs> it's literally they just left it there and then they just walked off and there's people complaining after mm. that you know you picked up this um this you know you filled up this whole people, bin people bag do this stuff for clout right yeah, for clout you, for clout yeah yeah you picked up this uh, you know this rubbish and you put it in the bin mm. in the in the plastic bin mm. why don't you just throw that in the bin mm. why don't you just throw that where it needs to go instead mm. of just leaving that on the beach and then they just they just walk off mm. that's it i mean all of that i mean good thing that they did initially mm. um it's all going to go down the drain literally yeah. now unfortunately you know people in today's day and age they receive you know like they receive these chemical uh brain like releases of yeah. dopamine and stuff <laughs> yeah, dopamine, from endorphin from endorphins from like you know uploading on social media and mm. getting that like gratification those likes and those yeah. you know retweets and those thumbs up it, it like fuels them Like, that's what, that's fortunately yeah. that's the world we live in that's the world we live in yeah that's the harsh reality but uh you know it can be used in, uh, like we said earlier as well too much uh, of anything good can lead to bad as well mm. so it can be used in a good sense as well you know like the celebrities there some of them are doing for their followers their followers will you know see that they're doing good and hopefully you know lead them down a better path as well so exactly. just to you know exactly. let you guys know about um, the article that Bollywood actor Ranbir Kapoor has reserved 10,000 tickets for um, the movie Adi Purush to provide for free uh, to provide for free to disadvantaged children as he believes that the movie will teach the pre- present generation something as he himself learned from the movie producer producers of that movie acknowledged th- this charitable move and stated that these tickets will be distributed in the Hindi speaking region via NGOs. Mm. The movie is sponsored by T-Series T- and was produced on a 500 uh, crore rupees budget starring, uh, you know, many famous uh, actors and is set to be released. It, it was released in uh, June 2023. And, you know, there's many different other, you know, examples of this uh, that other celebrities have also carried out, like... Um, there's been 11 celebrities who treated kids to free screenings of Black Panther Kendrick Lamar did something similar and you know there's many other different uh, celebrities who took part in this and you know got different uh, like tickets for deserving families you know it's just it's it's not j- just about the movies it's about the fact that you know this is this could be you know a normal person for a person who has like a decent wage just going to the movies could be a normal mm. thing but for some kids some impoverished uh, families um 
for them it's a it's a luxury right and they they look up to it and you know they it's not something they get to experience often or even ever so you know even celebrities doing this is uh, can be seen as an act of charity um it's you know it's, it's um but it's you know sometimes we need to look at um yes it can be you know deemed uh, a, a good thing as well yeah. but um the the most important thing that we need to actually realize hmm. is uh this is just this is just a small thing yeah. right this is just a small thing and it's not even it's not even a major thing this hmm. is just for entertainment isn't it yeah. um there are other celebrities as well such yeah. as uh you know singers hmm. rappers as well i remember there was a couple of years ago there was a rapper called Akon hmm. and he went to senegal and he, he and he actually donated a lot Hmm. of his earnings to to charity hmm. uh you know to to the people of Senegal as well hmm. um you know football players also uh, uh all the yeah, yeah Sadio yeah. Mane hmm. he's also from Senegal as well hmm. he also he's, he's built many yeah. like schools and hospitals exactly. over there as well and right that, and and that's the main thing yeah. that's the main thing um and th- this is when this act of, act of charity hmm. actually benefits uh them as well mankind yeah benefits probably. mankind and uh, you know there's um uh, jk rowling hmm. the author of <coughs> the author of harry potter uh she like lost her billionaire status hmm. to donating to charity so she became like a multimillionaire hmm. but she donated so much she lost her billionaire status hmm. so i mean but i think she'll she'll gain that back yeah i i mean but it's no but still that's yeah. still something right as in yeah i mean no. giving to charity but that's the thing isn't it when no. when you do it for for actually doing mm. do, you know to benefit other people then yeah, yeah then that's very good obviously mm. we don't know people's intentions but if people are just doing it mm. just like you mentioned for yeah. clout mm. for that you know public publicity stunt people mm. are doing it just to get more followers get more likes get more money um then you know it's uh you know that's when the intentions come in as well but obviously obviously mm. god knows best what their what the true intentions are so the news is looming uh, the listeners will be taking a very short break and then we will be carrying on discussing this topic after the news do not go anywhere and please do join us after the news You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful. Welcome back to the breakfast show dear listeners. Here we were you know discussing our first segment of the morning where a Bollywood actor has reserved 10,000 tickets to a movie for uh disadvantaged children and you know we gave various different other examples as well uh of uh, how this can be seen as an act of charity and uh, other different acts of charities that celebrities have you know conducted uh in terms of islam uh it states that uh oh people of islam you are the best people ever raised for the good of mankind because you have raised to serve others you enjoy what is good and forbid evil and believe in allah uh 
You will remain the best as long as you are service-minded, promote good and promote welfare to society. If you fail to do this, you are no longer you no longer have a right to boast the superiority of Islam and the Muslim Ummah, a society which is insensitive to the suffering of other human beings and is not always inclined to serve the cause of humanity cannot be described as an Islamic society, no matter how it is adhered to other, uh, to other aspects of Islamic teachings. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, emphasized love, sympathy and kindness towards all. He also emphasized that we must show each other great appreciation. He said, one who is not grateful to mankind is not grateful to Allah. Furthermore, the promised Messiah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, states uh, that sympathy for all mankind is a moral obligation and a duty. That religion is no religion which does not inculcate sympathy. Nor does that man deserve to be called a man who does not have sympathy in him. Uh, the head of the uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, uh, stated in one of his uh, Friday sermons uh, in 2007 that uh, the more affluent people should always be mindful of, their, of the need of their brothers mm. and feelings of anger and dispute should never prevent them from extending their hand in help, to, in help uh, for the poor. An Ahmadi Muslim should in not indulge in fulfilling his or her own desires alone, but should respect the desires and needs of his brothers, sisters, poor and others. And, you know, this uh, through this uh, act of charity that, uh, you know, the actor Rambir Kapoor has done, you know, getting these 10,000 tickets for disadvantaged children, you know, um, hopefully, you know, it can um, set forward a path where other celebrities, other, you know, fellow um, human beings, other followers uh, or fans, etc., they, you know, follow suit as well that, you know, we see this celebrity who has, you know, a lot of things, but um, he's still, you know, helping children, helping helping the needy, helping the poor. And uh, hopefully we can, you know, um, also help those around us in need, like Islam has, you know, uh, countless of times mentioned to us and uh, instructed us to do so. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's what fulfilling the rights of mankind is one of the duties uh, in Islam as well. Yeah, isn't it? Is it? yeah. It's, it's it's very it's very fundamental. I mm. mean, one is to fulfill the rights of God, mm. um, to listen to Him, to obey Him, mm. to follow and to carry out all the injunctions which have been laid out by God. Yeah. And on the other hand, and obviously worship Him as well. But on the other hand, it's to fulfill the rights of mankind. And uh, you know to to look out for your brothers, your sisters, your your neighbors, as well. Um, you know the, the there's a there's a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, where you know Allah the, on the day of judgment, Allah the Almighty say will say that you know there was this uh, servant of mine. Mm. He didn't he didn't feed me. Yeah. He didn't you know give me um, any water. He didn't give me any shelter. He didn't give me any clothes to wear. Mm. And then the servant will ask God that you know, uh, how how can how can I give you when you you're the world you you're the you're the Lord of all the worlds. Yeah. How am I supposed to give you, you know, f food or water or or give you a shelter or give mm. you clothes when when you have everything? And then God Almighty will say that you know so and so 
person of mine or so so or so person hmm. was uh, you know was hungry and you did not feed him so and so person was thirsty you did not quench his thirst so and so didn't have any shelter and uh, you know you didn't provide any shelter for that person so and so didn't even have any clothes that's how poor the person was and you couldn't even give that person any clothes yeah so then you know that's what that's what, you know that that reminds us of our duties when we see a poor person we should try our best to to help that person to mm. alleviate their pains their sufferings and uh, make making sure that they can stand up on their own feet but also providing for them so that they can also one day provide for themselves and their families uh, as well and that's what that's what that's what's important like for your brothers what you like for yourself and uh, you know different acts of charity which uh, which a lot of people who who have a lot of money hmm. you know who have a lot of uh, a lot of influence celebrities doing good acts of charity which are actually beneficial is uh, something which is quite positive definitely, definitely. so that's uh, th- that's you know that's what we we have been talking about so there's a, there's a brief audio clip which we'll talk a little bit or which will conclude um what uh, we're talking about and uh, well, let's listen to that right now to this uh, word sadaqa uh, when and why were this particular meaning given to this word uh, it is said that when we pay sadaqa this cannot be used on ordinary people it's got to be used for poor people and uh, for well sadaqa is a very broad word in fact as i spoke on this issue earlier as well i believe it is derived from the word sidq which is truth so everything which is spent in a true cause with true intentions that is called sadqa allah allah You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Azrat Mirza Majroor Ahmed is the present head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the most dynamic international community within Islam. The community was established by Hazrat Mirza Khulam Ahmed in Kardian, a small and remote village in India. He claimed to be the expected reformer of the latter days, the one awaited by all major world religions. Founded in 1889, the community has continued to spread throughout the world, flourishing under caliphate, the system of spiritual leadership established after the demise of the holy founder. The current successor of this movement, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, continues the work of the holy founder to revive the spiritual and moral state of mankind the movement embodies the benevolent message of islam and its pristine purity a movement that preaches peace universal brotherhood and submission to the will of god ahmadi muslims have earned the distinction and reputation of being a law abiding and peaceful community within a century the movement has reached all the corners of the earth and has been recognized and praised by the global community love for all hatred for none those words from your third khalifa are more important more crucial more essential today than they have ever been 
And of course, the Amadi have always practiced this peace-loving philosophy. I am gladdened and inspired by the fact that the Ahmadis not only preach a message of love, friendship and understanding, but practice it fully in the way you include and invite others to share your gathering. An injunction to love all and to hate none is the avowed guiding principle of the Ahmadi life. I would thank you also that you have stressed uh, the importance of showing that Islam is the religion of peace, not the religion of hate, uh, as it was stated on the wall in the Yalsa, love for all, hatred for none. I think that is the message that the world really needs. You understand at a profound level that promoting religious freedom is an essential building block for peace and stability here and throughout the world. In this we are allied with His Holiness, a courageous champion of religious freedom and of peace. Love for all, hatred for none, is the message that we see in this mosque and from the Amadea Association. Your people have been the leaders in taking the peace movement that one step further. The huge respect we have, we all have, for your work day by day in making a reality of peace and brotherhood across the communities in this country and across the world. I think the words that you said uh, to my colleagues in the House of Commons ring probably a little truer, but hopefully a little more hopefully than they did when you actually said it in the House a few weeks ago. His Holiness began his address by speaking of the great conflicts that divide the world today. Wars being fought in different parts of the world. He worried of even greater problems. He then went on and said, it is my fear in my view of the direction in which things are moving today, the political and economic dynamics of the countries of the world may lead to world war. Therefore, it is the duty of the superpowers to sit down and find a solution to save humanity from the brink of disaster. They were words, Your Holiness, I think, that were taken very seriously by all who were there at that meeting. <laughs> Wherever the movement has been established, it endeavors to exert a constructive influence of Islam through social projects, educational institutes, health services, Islamic publications, and the construction of mosques. These endeavors continue, despite the bitter persecution that the community suffers in some countries. We need all the goodness we can find in today's world, and I applaud you for your contribution in Britain and worldwide to community cohesion and the enjoyment of diversity that is such a precious asset. And wherever Ahmadis live in the world, you are renowned for enthusiastically participating in the larger community and peacefully living, living alongside people of all faiths, languages, and cultures. And I would like to pay an additional tribute to the work being done by Ahmadis in raising standards in Africa and particularly in education. Yes, Britain has welcomed the headquarters of the Ahmadis in this country, but it hasn't become something that's become, as it were, a closed sect in Britain. It's become a community that has sought to reach out to all of us. And that's very important because the best way to break down the barriers of misunderstanding and prejudice is for that contact to happen. And I thank you for that.
the Ahmadiyya community contribute hugely to interfaith forums, to the richness of our community, and that is the same that's reflected across our nation. But what I would like to pay tribute to you as well this evening is the contribution that you make to wider society, the important charitable causes that you support, not just for your own communities, but for the wider communities. And that is to be acclaimed and that is to be applauded. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. And in this part of the show, we're talking about the NHS. Now, the British people have a love, a sort of a love hate relationship with the NHS. According to research, at uh, which was done at the King's Found, um, King's Fund. Sorry, the public gave the NHS its worst rating since record began forty years ago. Now, just twenty nine percent said that they were satisfied with the NHS in twenty twenty two, and yet we still love it. Now, a whopping ninety percent of the public agrees the service should be free and available to everyone, and this is a this is a hot topic. This is what people are sort of concerned about as well because we, we don't want it. We don't want it to go private hmm. because let's face it, if it does go private, then, uh, you know, then the quality is not going to be the same. Even right now, yeah, it's not, the quality is not what it was. <coughs> no, the quality might even be better if it goes private. But the thing is, it won't be affordable. It won't be affordable. To majority of the public, hmm. right? Yeah, you'd have to pay for your treatments, pay for your you know your drugs, pay for your medicine, uh, extra a lot more, and it just to the general public, the wider public, it mm. won't be affordable. They won't yeah. have access to to proper healthcare. Yeah. Now, the the NHS is actually approaching a seventy fifth anniversary, mm. but th- there are seven million people on the on the waiting list. Now, a former health minister actually said that the whole system is paralyzed and not improving. All the progress hmm. is going backwards. Yeah. Um, now, a former conservative minister said that the NHS is an oxymoron, or hmm. a, a contradiction, because hmm. the leadership is uh, incredibly patchy and uh, outcomes are mixed. Hmm. And uh, it's the same thing you know you said about um, the Royal Mail, right? Hmm. The the person who is in charge of the Royal Mail yeah. is earning, you know, just under just under half a million a year, hmm. and uh, you know the the average postman, what are they getting? Hmm. <laughs> you know, even they're getting they're getting physically attacked, verbally abused as well. Um, but the NHS, you know, the you know the the, the NHS staff, they also get verbally abused they also mm. get physically abused as well they also have to go through a lot of uh, a lot of hurdles and a lot of you know different uh, different trials to just to do their job mm. and obviously 
um, they have to be because there has been a lot of people who have left the working force. The staff has actually decreased. Nurses, doctors, um, other staff as well. They've they've left the NHS. A lot of them. Uh, a lot of the Europeans have gone back to their own countries or other countries. Hmm. A lot of people, um, not just Europeans, but people from uh, other countries, they have also gone back. Um, now, the, the 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 nurses, the doctors, which are which are which are still there, they're having to obviously not all of them, but a lot of them having to work overtime. Hmm. A lot of them are having to to work extra hours, and some of them might not even get paid for those extra hours hmm. as well. Um, so this is why you know it's a. I mean, it, this is why the NHS is actually struggling at the moment as well. Um, the Labour Party said that there is an increased, uh, increasing anxiety and jeopardy hmm. about the future of the service. Um, I mean, a lot of people don't want it to go public, uh, to go uh, to go private. Hmm. Um, but let's see, you know, what the what the future actually holds. Yeah. Uh, so we do have online with us our first guest of the morning in regards to this topic, Dr. Christopher Smith Brown from the Private Healthcare Information Network, who is a medical doctor and a clinical advisor at uh, PHIN. He qualified in 2018, working in the NHS and specialising in anaesthetics. Good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Breakfast Show, Doctor. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just to begin with, uh, could you tell our listeners um, a bit more about what you do at the PHIN? Certainly. So uh, PHIN, or the Private Healthcare Information Network, is a government arm's length body. It's not for profit. And our role is to collect information about mm. private hospitals and about um, private consultants working in the UK until we cover England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Um, and the aim of what we do to collect is to share that data, to process it, to make sure that patients who do choose private healthcare have a more informed decision about their choice. Hmm. Um, we currently have 600 hospitals on our website and nearly 10,000 consultants. Hmm. Um, and then my job as a, a doctor within the organization is to kind of add that clinical experience, that insight to support the um, data teams um, and then we help collect um, data from hospitals and we check it, process it, make sure it makes some sense and then mm. we publish it, that on our website, uh, fin.org.uk um, okay. for patients to see. Uh, why would you say it's important for people to have access to private healthcare when the UK has a public healthcare service? It's a fair question. Um, the, the NHS is obviously a very much loved and respected um, organisation. It's something that mm. I've trained in, that I've worked in since I was qualified. And especially over the past few years, it's an institution that I think has touched all of us in some way, either yeah. through COVID or through kind of the uh, waiting lists. Mm. Um, private healthcare has always existed in the UK in some form. Mm. And we have kind of a, you know, a twin track or a two kind of system approach where public and private sector work to deliver kind of healthcare. Mm. Um, and I think at the moment, as you're kind of, you've previously alluded to in your show that, you know, there's 7 million people waiting on the NHS waiting yeah. list. We have an aging population. Mm. Um, we have a workforce crisis with, you know, strikes across multiple um, healthcare professions. Mm. It's clear that the NHS needs support in mm. whatever way it can. Yeah. And at the moment, that 
the private sector does have capacity to help the NHS and mm. has been helping, uh, particularly with elective procedures um, such as you know cataract surgery mm. or having a hip or knee replacement. Yeah. And the government is also due to publish its elective recovery task force report any day now. Mm. And I think this will probably set out how the public and private sectors can work even more effectively together in the next kind of couple of years. Yeah. So I think that's where Thin sits as well to help provide that information about why having access can be useful to people. Hmm. Could you could you please go into a bit more depth about some of the advantages that the private healthcare sector would have over the NHS? So I I, I don't like to compare them as like one on one because hmm. I think. The NHS is always going to be kind of people's first choice. Yeah. And I think that for emergency care, for specialist kind of elective or cancer, mm. the NHS is always going to remain the first choice for the vast majority of the people. Yeah. But I think if you are thinking about going private, if you have that in that position that you can, mm. then private sector can offer um, some choices the NHS doesn't mm. and can offer some different facilities that the public sector can't. Mm. And at the moment, can offer quicker treatment than yeah. what the NHS can for some procedures. Yeah. So, so in in which like particular circumstances would you suggest to a patient that he go to you know a private healthcare instead of the NHS? So it's it's a personalised choice depending yeah. on kind of your situation and your procedure. But it may be that you have a consultation with um, an NHS consultant, mm. um, and you may make the decision that you have the, the ability to, and you want to go private to access a different hospital, or maybe um, you think the waiting time might be shorter. Yeah. Or it may be that you go private straight away, and that you have a preference you have it with a very specific consultant or hospital and you only want to see them. So I think it's a very tailored decision when you choose to go private in the UK hmm. um, and that's where Finn can kind of help support that decision making. Yeah. And lastly, just before we let you go, what are your thoughts about uh, the NHS being privatised? Um, I think I think it's unlikely. Um, yeah. I think it's a, as I said before, it's a, it's an institution that we all hold very near and dear to our hearts, and it's mm. you know, we're, uh, and as you've said, it, we're at its seventh birthday now, yeah, um, and it has such a strong role in our society through community care, through elective care, mm. through kind of GPs, and such a range of specialties and the way it impacts people's lives. Um, I think it's a political decision, so I don't want to get into that kind of um, area, but yeah, I'm, no. I don't. Yeah, I can't. No, but do, do you being... think do you think the public would benefit if, if if it were to go through? I think the model proposed would have to have a lot of consultation and would have to be tested at a general election. I, I'm not sure it's something that um, it would require a whole scale reorganisation mm. of yeah. the NHS. And I don't think there's appetite there from the public. But mm. that's I, I would leave that to the politicians. But yeah, I, I think there course. isn't kind of there appetite there of course no I was just wondering you know you, you work in, in, in the private healthcare so I was just asking for like a professional opinion um, yeah yeah, uh, yeah so, the private yeah, yeah sorry yeah, carry on so uh, the private healthcare definitely you know represents about 4 or 5% of kind of healthcare delivered in the UK so yeah. it's, it's not a it's not a large proportion hmm. but it's something that's existed for a long time Finn's been collecting data which we published on our website since yeah. 2016 yeah. um, and it does provide a role hmm. um, and it can help offer or supplement the NHS yeah. I think that's where kind of private healthcare in the UK sits at the moment 
Definitely, definitely. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning, Doctor. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, on, an, on again another time, if possible. Uh, for now, please take care. Have a good morning and uh, enjoy your day. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good Thank morning. you so much Cheers. for joining Bye. us. Bye bye for now. So that was hmm. uh, Doctor uh, <coughs> Christopher, Doctor Christopher uh, Smith Brown from you know Finn, the private healthcare information network, and you know he yeah. he shed some light on uh, you know the private healthcare uh, sector where it can be you know used for good in a lot of uh, different cases. Like if someone does have access to it, and you know they're they're in a situation <coughs> yeah. where they need like a hip replacement or a knee replacement or knee surgery or even cataract like you mentioned cataract surgery like that's like someone could be blind from that and if you can get that surgery if you do have access to it you do have the funds then uh, yeah it's, it's you know we, we go for it yeah I mean uh, what what he said as well is, yeah. is there to actually uh, to help the NHS, help, right? to help yeah. yeah to help and assist help the, the NHS as well the burden, right? exactly exactly so those people who can who mm. can afford it then yeah. why not because go obviously it, there yeah. are specialists there as well mm. but obviously um if we if we talk about it if we say on a on a broader scale mm. uh, like you know other countries have as well um their their health service is actually private they yeah. don't have a public health service and we i i think it's a i think it's a privilege that we do have mm. a a public health service the nhs definitely, definitely. um you know anyone can actually just go in if you have a problem you can mm. just go in mm. um and you know you, you you can see a doctor yeah. yes fine the waiting lists are quite long right i mean there's 7 million people who are still on waiting lists mm. waiting to be seen but the thing is is that you know when we, you know like like uh, like uh, dr smith brown yeah. he also said that we we are an, an aging population as well mm. there's a lot of people who are aging life mm. expectancy is also increasing as well and also with the life ex- life expectancy e- increasing mm. the 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 age for uh, for retirement that's mm. also increasing as well yeah. so obviously if you have a lot of people yeah. especially who are aged um mm. w- in the workforce mm. they are more likely to actually you know may- maybe you know uh get injured more yeah, quickly definitely. and their recovery time will be much much more as well mm. obviously getting getting them to see a specialist that's going to take long mm. and so obviously you have to take into account these different things so for a public sector mm. to actually do their job properly or to yeah. function properly there needs to be proper aid proper mm. management aid in sense of you know it has to be funded properly mm. it has yeah. to be funded properly all the staff that are working over there whether the doctors nurses um people who are literally you know even cleaning the cl- cleaning the floors cleaning cleaning the beds mm. cleaning the equipment e- even every single person who's work- working in the NHS mm. needs to get paid properly as well yeah uh, it's easy to say of course but when you when you look on one side that the people who are in management mm. they're getting paid so much yeah. right? and the people who are actually on ground root level Mm. they are working on the ground right they're not getting paid even a little bit mm. right sometimes you see that uh, people who are uh, even junior doctors mm. you know they're, you know they're still they're still learning they're still yeah. you know giving exams they're still coming into that workforce mm. as well even they're not getting paid mm. uh, proportionately as well and sometimes there was an article uh, a couple of uh, a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago that mm. a barista Yeah. Right, was getting 
paid more paid more mm. than a junior doctor yeah. and you know imagine imagine that you mm. seven years or mm. even more that you mm. spent you know <laughs> going to medical school, going to medical school all, that, all of medical that. training and then literally whereas a uh, barista you know we're not we're undermining not, we're the not job undermining, but yeah. like essentially you know you could just uh, anyone is welcome to that job they just mm. you don't need any set qualifications you can just put on an apron and you can you know essentially do do even if you don't know how to make coffee you can learn you can still learn right? it, isn't it's it? not yeah. it's not that hard you don't have to go you need to, a qualification yeah you don't you don't need to go to a school where you do you know rigorous training and rigorous studying to become a barista hmm. but yeah that's unfortunately the case in the world we live in today you know look at look at footballers right their yeah. salary I mean, any, anyone in sport, yeah, anyone, yeah, in sport, anyone yeah. in athletes, anyone yeah. in sport, yeah. anyone in media. Look at their salaries. Look at what they're getting paid compared to people mm. who literally save lives, right? Yeah, literally. Yeah, that, I mean, but, that's that's the world. Yeah. That's the world that we live in, isn't it? Mm. And uh, you know, as we were talking about uh, how how much of a privilege the mm. NHS is as well. If you look yeah. over the pond, over the Atlantic, over you know the mm. over America, if you you know if uh, if if a woman gives birth to a child, mm. right? She has to pay for when the child is born to have skin to skin. They have to pay for that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> how? I mean, that baffles me mm. as well. I mean, over here, yeah. you know, you can if you're, you know, if, if a woman is pregnant, she mm. can go to the hospital, and then you know the whole procedure is uh, is taken care of. Um, whether it's a whether it's a normal birth, whether it's a C-section, mm. whatever it is. It's essentially it is free, essentially, mm. Mm. and obviously taking the vaccines as well. Yeah. That's also free, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, in th- some countries, exactly. You know, we, yesterday, you know, we were having this talk in the office as well that we are the only species mm. on this planet mm. who pay to live here. I mean, if you look at it on a broader, even spectrum, if you do yeah. look, for example, if there's land, right? Yeah. If you're not allowed to like, no one's allowed to like lay claim to it or just like, yeah. you know, just yeah, you start building the house. This is my, right? this is my place. You just yeah. can't do that. Yeah, unless you do you're that. you're in like the desert or something or in like, no in, like, man's a land, proper r- remote no man land yeah. area. Yeah, even then, you know, some some sort of government official might just you know, yeah, come to your place and be like, pay pay me rent or like pay me pay yeah. me some sort of uh, tax. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's. I mean, tax is something that you can't avoid, isn't it? You can't avoid it. Can't but, I avoid mean, it. essentially, like, you know, if um, someone has the ability to, you know, build their own house, mm. right? And there's free land and there's access to it, right? There should be like a queue system or something like that in place mm. where people can't do that, right? I people mean, we, should be allowed to do that. Yeah, we, we, we always say we're... You know, well, you know, there's a lot of green yeah. belt areas in this country, red belt areas where you're not allowed to build, right? Mm. But then these big companies, these like paper companies or whatnot, uh, or these big conglomerate conglomerates co- companies, these yeah. whatever they are, they, you know, they they <laughs> go out and they they wipe down whole forests yeah. to build their their sky, skyscrapers. Right? That's it. That's it. And then a whole city is made. Yeah. That's how but, it is. But the 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 lesser man, the lower man, the man who can't afford anything, yeah. the working class, has the workers who has nothing. <coughs> he's not allowed to do anything. He's just a slave in the system. It's mo- modern modern slavery. slavery. Yeah, modern slavery. That's exactly that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um, you, you know, we, we're so we're so uh, you know quick and happy to say, oh yes, we live in a free world, hmm. or we live in a free country. Hmm. But it's not actually free, is it? It's not. You have to pay for literally everything. Hmm. Um, 
But even know, the NHS, which is free to us, is not free in the sense that it's you know the money goes from the taxes of the people. It does go from the taxes. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it is funded it's, by the taxes. It's funded by by the people, right? Yeah. But if no, I get you don't have to pay I, I, for I the know, procedures yeah. there and then. Yeah. Obviously, so it's, it turns out to be a lot cheaper. Mm. But even then. Uh, one of the things which people actually say about the NHS as well, and the reason why there's a lot of waiting queues also, is that a lot of people misuse the NHS. Yeah. And people say that if yeah. it does go private, then those people who misuse the NHS mm. or take it for granted no, in the wrong that's, sense, that's, that would decrease. It would decrease, definitely. Mm. But it's not that portion mm. is not enough to make that move, right? Yeah, I mean, for if you, I mean, for per- personally, because for they, me, the, I, those I don't people want they don't go. outweigh the the, the mm. people in need, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. But still, you know, they, you know, the figures show, mm. statistics, stats show that, you know, Friday nights, Saturday nights, and Sunday mornings, A and E is filled filled with these people mm. who are literally they they they're drunk. They get no, into then, an accident. Then, you know, a proper a proper system should be put in place, right? Mm. Proper regulations should be put in place instead of you yeah. know blaming the whole system that you know because it's free. You know these freeloaders are coming. Yeah, for no reason. Whereas if if someone does come in for like something like that, that's their own fault essentially. Hmm. They should they should be charged, in my opinion. Right. So yeah, they, yeah, they, obviously they every case some sort of consequence, yeah. right? So yeah, every case they, is they different. Should be. Yeah, every case be is different. Sort of but I'm saying if you. Essentially, you know, if you're, if you know that like alcohol will lead to you having being injured or you know yeah. passing out or something like that, then you put yourself in you harm's put yourself, way. Yeah, yeah, literally. And someone, uh, and if you're on, if you're on uh, a bed in hospital, yeah. that I'm could not be saying they shouldn't person. have access to the health. Yeah, I'm just saying you know there should be some sort of regulation in place for these sort of you know individuals that Keep are them in taking check, isn't it? taking advantage of you know our mm. beloved. NHS exactly I mean I, I, I agree I agree mm. to that extent as well um, you know there needs to be some sort of uh, consequence for those people mm. who misuse it yeah right and obviously sometimes you book an appointment yeah. with a GP or 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 in the NHS right mm. in the NHS service mm. and uh, you don't go you, you don't attend that mm. that you know that meeting or that mm. um, the appointment that you have that costs the NHS quite yeah. a lot of you money. You should at well. least inform them. You should right? at least inform them so yeah. that you know you can give your your turn to somebody mm. else. Exactly. And uh, you know it, it's these small things, isn't it, that make mm. a big difference? Mm. And uh, there needs to be different checks in place so that we can use the NHS um, to its fullest. Yeah. And that's what's uh, most important mm. because if we if it is free, mm. uh, in, you know, in this sense, right? You don't need to pay to have an appointment you don't need to pay to, to call an ambulance or whatever hmm. but still right there needs to be some sort of consequences or those people who just use it just because they got a cut on their finger yeah. or something silly like that or maybe you know they, they drank they drank too much hmm. on a Friday night and then you know they hurt themselves they go into a fight or whatever hmm. you know these are small things which you know uh, or things which you know which can be preventable hmm. and it should be prevented as well yeah so there are different things, which uh, which needs to be uh, taken into taken into account. Hmm. Um, the, you know, this actually um, is quite linked to what uh, what Islam actually says as well. Hmm. Now, Islam says to uh, or 
it, it, it champions hmm. sort of taking care of other people hmm. and uh, doing doing our best to help those people who are in need. As the saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that there are two gifts which uh, every man are unmindful about, hmm. and that is, uh, you know, good health and hmm. also leisure, which is you know spare time as well. Yeah. And if these two things, he said that if these two things are not paid attention towards, if, hmm. if due attention is not given to these, then people sort of slacken in their in their in their in their duties and their responsibilities as yeah. well. Yeah. And uh, this is something which is very important because if you do have good health, mm. it's important to maintain that. Now, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, mm. he said that in the Holy Quran, in chapter 90, verses 15 to 17, Muslims are instructed to feed the hungry, to show empathy and love to orphans, and to help anyone in need, especially Hmm. those mired in poverty and who are defenseless and weak. Muslims are taught to be the ones who comfort and love those people who have been failed by society to carry the weight of their burdens on their own shoulders. So that's, what's, uh, that's what Muslims should be doing, hmm. alleviating the pain, trying to lessen the burden of, uh, of people as well. There's a brief audio clip that uh, will speak a little bit about this as well. Let's listen to that. Furthermore, the Prophet Muhammad said that if a person did not have the material means to help someone struggling for or facing difficulties, they should at the very least fervently pray that the Allah the Almighty remove their problems. He taught that sincere prayer required a soft and pure heart and so Muslims had a duty to be sympathetic to the plight of others and to consider their trials as though they were their own. So this is what we this is what we're talking about the 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 NHS and uh, how it is a pro, it, it, it is a public sector and we're we're very privileged to have this public sector uh, with us as well. But if it does go private, like it is in other countries, then maybe the quality of that will i mean it might decrease it might increase but whatever happens it's not going to be fully accessible fully available for everyone that's what the major concern is and that's why people don't want the nhs which is a public sector to go private now what are the disadvantages then of uh, of, uh, of 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 a public sector and what are the advantages of uh, advantages and also disadvantages of uh, of private now as uh, our you know as we spoke to um uh, a, a doctor before as well on the show that the nhs is actually facing several issues related to funding and staffing and the waiting list has actually increased to 7 million people now this can be very frustrating for pa for patients, people who need prescriptions, people who are literally they they need to have an, have a GP appointment or they need to have surgeries or they need they, they need scannings they need to um, get treated is getting delayed 
And obviously, like we mentioned before, if you treat something early, early on, then that can actually be treated very quickly, very smoothly, and it can be very, very much effective. But if you leave that until, you know, until much later on, if you delay that, then it be, then that problem, that illness, that disease can get much, much worse. And to treat that will take so much more time, so much more effort. More medicine will be, will be needed as well. More treatment will be needed. So, it, it, that, but that is the thing, isn't it? When there's cuts, when there's you know, uh, when 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 it's, when it, when it's been understaffed, that is the problem that happens. Yes, the prime minister did say that he's promising he's going to try and bring in three hundred thousand uh, NHS staff to you know in, in England, but we need that now, and we might even need more than that. But obviously, if we're bringing 300,000 people, you know, staff into the NHS, who's going to fund that? If this, if this cuts in the NHS already, who's going to fund that 300,000, um, you know, import of, uh, of, uh, of workers? Obviously, it has to increase then, isn't it? The whole annual budget for the NHS has to increase. That's the thing. Now... What are the advantages of private healthcare? Uh, private healthcare um, will be much quicker, but obviously for those people who can afford it, and um, those people who require treatment and they do have, and they, you know, they're quite well off, they're quite comfortable, they can actually afford it. And the time that they have to wait for, you know, to, to see a specialist would actually be much less than to see a specialist in the NHS as well. So that is one good advantage. But then again. It only comes. It only applies to those people who can afford that. Not everyone can can do that. Most of the people are working class. Patients who cannot afford it can pay in instalments. I mean, that's also an option. Um, there is a greater choice of treatment options, um, and it puts patients more at ease sometimes when it comes to uh, private healthcare. But some disadvantages of that can actually be that private healthcare is not under the same rules and regulations as public healthcare. They've got their own rules because it's public. Um, they've, you know, as the public sector, they have their own rules, a set rule, what the government has actually laid out as well. But if there is a private healthcare, they don't have the same rules as the NHS because it's private. They've got their own rules and regulations. They've got their own checks in. They can, they've got their own um, boxes that they need to check. Therefore, a lack of regulation can become a reason to exploit patients for money as well. I mean, every single consultant, every single specialist, which is a private healthcare, can charge various different things. To one person, he, he might charge, you know, two thousand pounds for you know for 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 an appointment or whatever, whatever the treatment may be. For the same treatment to another person. He can charge five thousand pounds. Another one, he can charge much more than that. So, the, the, I mean, there's no who's going to rule, who's going to say no, this is right, this is wrong, because it's private, right? That's the thing. Now, people need to be educated when doing their research and becoming and coming to an informed conclusion to minimize the risk as well. We need to make sure that we know we know all the we know what we're getting into. Now, private healthcare is not something. Uh, you know, everyone can afford. 
um, even with payment plans, even with installments, even with monthly uh, payments as well. Now, private healthcare insurance is also very expensive. And this actually creates a divide on who can access this type of treatment. This is why many people do not want it to go private. They want it to remain public. Now, not everything is covered by private healthcare, such as emergency treatment, which is covered by A&E on the NHS, chronic illness as well. And there are certain medical um, uh, medications um, you know, medicines that people receive, prescriptions that people receive as well, and perhaps pre-existing medical conditions as patients may have as well. Um, now, this is because there's a lack of diversity and specialization in certain fields makes private healthcare less effective for many patients. Private healthcare is not for everyone because there's the whole treatment, if someone needs to go to chemotherapy, they will definitely go to NHS. However, if someone needs to fix their teeth, right, they need to take a placa or, you know, fill in, do a filling in their teeth, that's private. Yes, it is linked to the public sector, it is linked to the NHS, but it's private as well because you need to pay for that. Now, that, that that's the thing. In the UK, we have a public health service. However, it's uh, so we we do have a little bit of a pri- of a private sector as well, um, so it's not completely uh, 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 public, but <clears throat> like we have, or like other countries have, a completely a completely uh, uh, private sector. Um, they you you do see their people their um, the people you know patients sometimes they do struggle as well. Somebody needs to call an ambulance. They need to pay for that. You need to go to into into the hospital and get a check, get a doctor's appointment, go to a GP. You need to pay for that. You need to get, you know, you need to get a prescription. You need to pay a lot of money for that as well. Some things here in the UK, such as paracetamol, such as aspirin, such as um, even insulin, we don't even we need to pay a very minimum amount for that. If we look at America, they need to pay a lump. They need to pay so much money, just for these things, or just for medical treatment. Pharmaceuticals is the second biggest uh, business industry in the world. It's you know obviously first is uh, is is weapons, weapon profiteering, um, making weapons, selling weapons. But second on the list is pharmaceuticals, drug companies, and this is. A big, big industry. There, I mean, there are different types of uh, treatment which people allude to as well, which people um, are familiar with. So, allopathic is, you know, this one, but homeopathic is another type of remedy as well. Even different herbs that people can use as well. Physicians use that also to treat other people. But you know, th- that we can sort of talk about. We can talk about that on a on a different stage. We're coming towards uh, the news. The news is looming, and uh, <clears throat> this actually concludes the show for today. Thank you to uh, the guest who spoke to us uh, today, Dr. Christopher Smith Brown. Thank you to uh, Atara co-presenter, to the technical department, the researchers, and the producer as well. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you